Who here knows that God loves them? I should see every hand. God loves us very, very much. And if we needed proof of that, well, Jesus Christ gave us the proof. Who here would be willing to lay down their life for somebody else? That's a hard ask, right? And, you know, maybe depending on who it is. Maybe if it's somebody we really, really liked. Jesus laid down his life for us. He took our penalty so that we wouldn't have to because he knew we couldn't bear it. God loves us very, very much. And it is out of that love that this message comes today. By the way, if you're, if you're new here, if, you're first, if this is your first time visiting, if nobody else has welcomed you, I want to be the first to welcome you. We're glad that you're with us here today. Um, if this is not your first time visiting, but you're, you're not a member yet, we're glad that you're here as well, um, that you've continued to come back. Um, and for everybody else, I feel like in the, the years that I've been coming here, that my family's been coming here, that more and more we're, you feel like family to me. Um, I just wanted to, to welcome everybody. And, uh, and it seems like two prayers ought to be good enough, but we're going to do one more prayer. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would bless the time that we have here together. Um, that you would send out your Holy Spirit now to be among us and to speak into each and every heart, my heart included, Heavenly Father, that you would guide us, that you would teach us, that you would open up your word to us, that you would make it clear to us um, as you give us your word and as you give us your reproof out of love, that, that you would align our hearts with yours, Heavenly Father, that our praise and worship would be music to your ears. Please be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. God is good. All the time. <laughs> I want you to close your eyes for a second. And I'm going to apologize ahead of time. We're going to imagine something together. I want you to imagine a chalkboard standing up here next to me. And now I want you to imagine my fingernails scraping down that chalkboard. Now, not everybody here is old enough to even know what a chalkboard is. So we're going to imagine one more thing. I want you to imagine somebody sitting next to you, grinding their teeth. Or smacking their gum. Like smack, 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 smack. You can open your eyes. And I promise if you're new here, the preaching is almost always better than it will be today because we have an awesome preacher, but today you're stuck with me. Um, have you ever had somebody in your life that you loved that you, you wouldn't want to live without? But they have this thing, they have this habit, and it drives you up the wall. But you love them. But there's this habit. There's this thing that they do, and it just drives you nuts. God has that same feeling. He loves us. He loves us more than we can know. But we do this thing, and it drives him crazy. 
God's not crazy. But it drives him, oh man, he can't stand it. He can't stand it at all. Um, This thing that we do, it's the root of sin. Sin doesn't happen without this one thing. And our scriptures today are going to prove that out. Adam and Eve, the first sinners, the sin that they're guilty of, wouldn't have happened without this heart condition first. And this heart condition, it's all about me. Right? So the serpent tempted Adam and Eve and said, God's holding out on you. He's got this good thing, and he won't let you have it. And, and Eve, first, she's like, I kind of like good things. I want that. She's not thinking about what this is going to do to her relationship with her God and creator. And so she takes it. And then she doesn't want to be alone in her sin. She's not thinking about the well-being of her husband who will be harmed by stepping away from his relationship with God. She says, hey, this is good. Eat this with me. And Adam, he knows better. But he's thinking, yeah, I like good things too. So he takes it. And then because his heart is every bit as righteous as Eve's, he throws Eve under the bus. And he says, hey, God, it's this woman's fault that you gave me. She she told me to sin. As if that would save his, his hiney. It's selfishness. It's narcissism. And nobody likes to be called a narcissist. But we all are. We all think about this guy first. And I bet, myself included, that everybody in this room is guilty of this sin at some point during this week. When he was asked what the greatest commandment was, our Lord Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. It doesn't say love yourself. Our culture says love yourself. Our culture says take care of you first, right? And that makes sense. You're on an airplane and, well, you know, the masks come down and, well, how can you put the mask on somebody else if you're passing out? So you've got to put your mask on first. Our culture says do what feels good, Right? What are some things our culture says? Our culture might say, whatever floats your boat. A good friend says, every once in a while, he says, you do you. It's all about me. 
God gave us the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20. If we look at commandment number 4, which is verse 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreign foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We live in a culture where everybody knows what a vaccine is, right? God gave us a vaccine against selfishness, a vaccine against me, 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 me. He gave us one day out of seven. He said, I'm going to give you this one day, and it's going to be a booster every week to help you to remember it's not about me. Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. And he took a lot of flack for it because that's work. But God's not saying work is bad. God's saying narcissism is bad. He's saying quit being focused on me. He's saying it's about God. And then Jesus comes along and he says, and remember, it's about the people around you. You see this blind man? Now you can see. And he let his disciples pick grain on, on the Sabbath. It wasn't about whether they picked grain. They were hungry. He said, yeah, go eat. God was giving us, with the Sabbath, a reminder, a weekly reminder. It's not about you. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And in 15, 13, he says, Greater love has no, no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Our culture thinks a lot of things about love. But I can tell you this, love is not lust. Love is not infatuation. Love is not an ooey-gooey feeling that you feel about somebody. Love, according to Jesus, the way that Jesus has defined it for us, the way that Jesus describes it, is actively setting aside our own interests for the benefit, the well-being somebody else. If we set aside our own interests, like in the story of the Good Samaritan, he set aside his safety. And he set aside his, his finances to take care of somebody else. Somebody he didn't even know. And Jesus said, which one was a neighbor to this guy? Well, it was the guy that took care of him. Our rebuke today 
is that we go about our lives focused on ourselves. And I am no different. In 2020, when we were nearing the presidential elections, Katie and I decided that it was a good time to be in prayer and fasting for our nation, for the well-being of our nation, that God would guide our nation. So we took up fasting. Not a full fast, a partial fast, because we fasted for 40 days. So, I mean, that seems like a good and righteous thing to do. It seems like the kind of thing God would want us to do, right? Like we're setting ourselves aside. But you know what I was thinking the whole time? I hope I lose some weight. Outwardly, I was doing, uh, well, that, that seems pretty righteous. Inwardly, who is it about? Me. I hope I lose some weight. And God convicted me. I knew I wasn't right. And he convicted me in my heart. There was a t- there's been a long time when I kind of felt like, man, you know, I'm doing pretty good. You know, I, do, I, don't, I don't think I cheat or steal. Well, I would know if I stole. I don't steal. Um, like, I'm a pretty good guy. I don't feel really convicted about anything. And so then I pray, you know, God, like David, God, if there's anything in me that, that is ugly to you, reveal it to me. And then, he, and then I read our next passage which is Isaiah 58. We're going to read the whole thing. Oh, it hurt. Oh. God says, yeah, well, so there's this one thing, and it's kind of a big deal. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion, to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves? And you have not noticed. Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, 
and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord, and I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken." We're going to go back to verse 3. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves, and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please, and you exploit all your workers. Now, considering what we've already talked about, is this about exploiting the people that work for you? Or is God rebuking his people for something else? Is he rebuking his people for a heart that's more concerned with my financial well-being, I mean, they work for me, than it is with their well-being? Verse 4, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. Oops. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this about the violence of the quarreling and the striking? Or is this, is this about a heart that is unchanged? We spend time humble before God and then we go right back to what we were doing. We beg God, God, please, do this for me. Do this thing that will benefit me. And we're humble while we're begging. But our heart is not humble. And that's evidenced by the fact that we go back to the violence that we were guilty of before. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Only a day. Yeah, we humble ourselves once in a while. For like, you know, a little bit. 
Or does God desire a heart that's changed? God desires a permanent change. Is it only for bowing your head? Or is it for changing your heart? Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk. Who here has ever known somebody who was more narcissistic than the rest of us? Like, they're a little bit worse. They point the finger, right? They say, it's not my fault. It's their fault. They never take responsibility. They never own up. They never said, you know what? I messed up. It's always somebody else's fault. Verses 6 and 7. God describes the kind of fasting that is acceptable to him. He talks about things that we would consider to be social justice. We know that word, right? Social justice, it's become a big thing. Is God concerned about the social justice? Or is he concerned about the heart that loves God first and loves our neighbor as ourselves? If we have that heart, doesn't the social justice come along with it? Don't we take care of one another if we have a heart that thinks of others before it thinks of self? Or like Jesus said in Matthew, which I already read, the greatest commandment, love God, love your neighbor. Whoopsie. Ahead of myself. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and doing as you please or speaking idle words, I skipped some stuff. I skipped 10 and 12. 10 and 12 are blessings, right? They're the things that God says, you know, if you get your heart in line with mine, I have good things that I want to give you. You will be repairers of broken walls. You'll be restorers of your community. I'll take care of you. And then he gives us this about the Sabbath. And we remember that the Sabbath is that vaccine. The Sabbath is that weekly reminder that this isn't about us. I have a challenge for us today. I've, I've made my sermon a little bit short because we have a congregational meeting. But also, I want us to go home with this in mind. And the challenge is, is that, and this is a challenge for me too, 
We don't turn on the TV. Now, I don't have a TV, so that's not fair. So I won't look at my smartphone, right? We, we don't have our nose in, in our smartphone. We don't play video games. We don't use it as an opportunity to get caught up on some, some house cleaning that kind of got away from us during the week. Instead, if we take this day and we focus on God and on the people that he's put around us, Maybe you play with your kids, or maybe your kids are grown, so you play with your grandkids, or maybe you have a friend that you haven't spoken to for a while, so you call them up, or you go visit them, even better. Maybe with your kids, maybe you play with them for a while, and and then you read some scripture to them, and you talk about how God saved saved Israel through David, or, or you talk about how God saved all of us through Jesus. Or you, they're downstairs learning. Maybe you talk about what they learned today. But this is my challenge for all of us, that we put aside the things that are about me. And before we do something today, we think about, is this about me? Or is this about God and the people that he's given me? That's my challenge. Who's up for the challenge? That's honest. <laughs> I'm going to try. And I encourage everybody who's willing, who feels like, like what I've said made sense, like it's, it's true to, to God's heart and like it's true to God's word. If you feel like that's true, give it a try. I think it'd be good for all of us. That's all I have. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, thank you, thank you that you that you love us too much to leave us where we're at, that you love us enough to tell us when we're off the path. We thank you, Heavenly Father, and we ask that you would speak to us. Go with us. Send your Holy Spirit. You said, Jesus said, that when he leaves, he will send us the helper. He will send us his Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us and to remind us of what we've already learned. Send your Holy Spirit and help us, Heavenly Father. Our culture has taught us things that that are not of you, and old habits die hard. Please help us to make new habits that are not focused on ourselves, new habits that are focused on you and that are focused on the people that you've given us. Please bless us as we try, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.